Ready to start talking to your kids about financial literacy? Meet Greenlight, the debit card and money app that teaches kids and teens how to earn, save, spend wisely, and invest with your guardrails in place. Parents can send instant money transfers, automate allowance, and more. Plus, keep an eye on spending with real-time notifications. Join more than 6 million families building healthy financial habits together on Greenlight. Get your first month free at greenlight.com slash odyssey. That's greenlight.com slash odyssey. This is a Vault Studios production. I'm Reed Redmond. I'm Spencer Brudig. I'm Will Johnson. This show contains graphic material and is meant for mature audiences. This week on True Crime Chronicles. That is when um, the real investigation began because now they had a body that they had to figure out who had done this horrible thing to this young girl. I wouldn't be able to keep that a secret. Somebody would have probably talked. You would have said something to someone, right? There's no way. For 46 years, they say he's been keeping a secret, a terrible dark secret. From the outside to neighbors and friends, he seems normal. A father of two children, a husband. Lived his life every single day in Tarrant County as if this had never happened. But if they're right, what happened over four decades earlier is about to catch up with them. I can't imagine what internal battle between good and evil this person faced every day if he is in fact found guilty of this crime, and he did do it. 46 years earlier, in February 1974, 17-year-old Carla Walker was out with her boyfriend on a Saturday night. They'd been to a Valentine's Day dance at their Fort Worth High School and decided to leave the dance. The two of them were at the dance, went out with some friends, drove around, cruised together, and then they stopped at the Ridgely Bowling Alley, which is currently the Sendera Center off the traffic circle. And it was in that parking lot that the nightmare began. Matt Howerton is a reporter at WFAA Channel 8 News in Dallas. The boyfriend remembered somebody coming up to the car and pulling Carla Walker out and then immobilizing him uh, during all of that. And then he ended up calling the police. Her boyfriend, Rodney McCoy, later tells police what he can remember about the sudden violent attack. He opened the door and she was falling out. And I went to grab her and... He started uh, beating me over the head back here with a pistol. Fort Worth detectives talked with 18-year-old Rodney McCoy today, hoping he could shed some light on the incident in which he was shot in the head and his girlfriend abducted. McCoy and 17-year-old Carla Walker were sitting outside a bowling alley just after midnight Saturday when a man pulled Carla from the car and shot McCoy. The man is described only as white, in his early 20s, and wearing a cowboy hat. Police say McCoy wasn't able to add much to the information they already have. Carla Walker, only 17 years old and just under five feet tall, was taken from the scene, kidnapped. Obviously, this is a this is a night that they're supposed to be having fun. They're supposed to be enjoying themselves. And it all of a sudden becomes a family's worst nightmare. You know, a night where a young man is traumatized. He's seen his date taken from him. Police scoured the area for evidence and any clue that might lead them to the missing girl. But so far, no trace of the missing girl has been found, and there has been no word from her abductor. Fort Worth detectives say there are a couple of men they want to talk to about the case, but at this point, they can't even call them suspects. In the meantime, the search continues, and as one officer put it, we're looking everywhere. But then, three days later, on February 20th, 1974, the search came to an end. And her body was found in a culvert strangled and obviously sexually assaulted. Just a disgusting, horrible way to find a family member. The culvert was near Benbrook Lake, about 20 minutes southwest of where Walker was last seen. 
But despite finding her body and a vague description of a possible suspect, they still didn't have much to go on. I don't think they had a very good description of the suspect, you know, whenever the actual kidnapping happened. Uh, and, you know, nobody obviously around the scene of the crime whenever they found the body. So it was one of those things where you see the Carla Walker's boyfriend or friend that they were going to this dance with. You know, he was not able, I think, to to possibly give a good description of a car, so on and so forth. The only thing they found, I think, at the scene of the bowling alley was a twenty two Ruger shell. And that was really all police had. So it's kind of it's kind of a crime for that day and age in the 70s that it was almost pulled off where police I mean it didn't have a whole lot to work with there was no there was nothing in like clear and obvious sight saying to themselves okay we got our guy or we have something to work with I think from the get go they were working they were working uphill the discovery of the Ruger magazine did give them something to go on and it led them to a man named Glenn McCurley he was, he was identified during a search of a Ruger 22 purchase, and they picked him up, and they basically said that the weekend, or during the duration where Carla was kidnapped and killed, Mr. McCurley was alone. His wife had gone to West Texas. His Ruger, he said, allegedly had been stolen, and he had not, re he not reported the, the, the theft because he was an ex-convict, and that he went, obviously, to, to jail in 1961 for car theft. He was living at 7100 Willis. That's right near where the crime happened. He was suspicious because of a weapon that he had that matched. He was within proximity as far as where he lived. And uh, he was off the day that Carla was kidnapped. McCurley denied any involvement, denied knowing anything about Carla Walker. He just was, that's why they couldn't make an arrest. They just did not have enough back then. But he was somebody that they were looking at. And police quietly moved on from him as a suspect. But even as the trail went cold and years went by, Carla's brother and sister kept looking. You know, I was 12, Carla was 17. The world lost something precious. I just feel like I shouldn't be sitting here, you know, having a life and that it's important that we keep working to find out who did this to her. We'll never give up. Never given up. Never. Through the years, the decades, the family held on to hope that Carla's killer would be caught. Something new would break the case open, a tip, anything. There was something, though, a letter, that in recent years police released, and they asked the public for any help connected to it. Maybe someone could identify the handwriting or knew something about it. And the letter, it just said... I know who killed Carla Walker, and that was about it. Somebody is gonna recognize this letter, handwriting, the way it's written, the way it's signed. So that, that's the goal here, is, is for somebody to recognize this letter and, and, and give us more information, give us more evidence. Makes it kind of on both sides. Who was this person, what do they know, and then why didn't, why were we never made aware of it? If you know anything about Walker's murder, please call Fort Worth Police. And for a closer look at that letter, we've attached it to Kevin's story on WFAA.com. Despite the pleas to the public for any tips or clues, nothing came of it. The letter was another dead end. And Carla Walker's case went unsolved, her killer still on the loose. But Carla's family never gave up. Her brother, only 12 years old when his sister was murdered, asked the leader of a prayer group at his local church to start praying for his sister, and they did. Jim Walker started asking his church to pray for a conviction or an arrest in regards to his sister's case. It's been years. They had this strange letter come in, and he's just like, can we get something to happen in all of this? 
And so every single day, for five days a week, Jim Walker's church prayed for a conviction or for an arrest, anything. Jim Walker is convinced it made a difference in the case and in what happened next. Fort Worth detectives agreed to revisit the case. And as it turns out, the letter wasn't the only piece of evidence being re-examined by investigators. In fact, four and a half decades later, the paperwork on the case was extensive. They built a case file that was huge. It was tremendous. So when Detective Bennett and I took it on um, last year, um, it was a mound of work and it was a lot of information to sift through. We had to, we had to review a lot of what had been done in the past. And then we began re-interviewing many people that were involved, family members, friends, any potential witnesses, and then even uh, previous suspects. And in addition to the case files, there was in fact DNA, carefully preserved through the years, kept in the right conditions and the right temperature. They ran it through CGIS, which is basically a criminal database full of DNA. No hit whatsoever. But then they ran it through uh, a ancestral uh, DNA website where people, like, obviously send their DNA in to see, if, like, who their relatives are. And they got a match for three brothers. And one of them turned up being the suspect they questioned 40 years ago for this crime. That was 77-year-old Glenn McCurley, the Fort Worth man who decades earlier claimed to have no knowledge of Carla Walker, who claimed he'd lost the gun, the man who now had two kids and a wife. He was one of many suspects or people of interest in the case files. And we actually, the detectives at the time, had taken his uh, case as far as they could with the current technology and the evidence that they had at the time. So it wasn't until what we have currently that we were able to move any further with him. So although he was a suspicious person and somebody that could have been responsible, there just wasn't enough information at the time to make a direct connection. But now with DNA evidence pointing again at McCurley, they had good reason to focus on the 77-year-old man. After getting another positive match from an item taken from McCurley's trash, they went to see him in person earlier this year. Police went to Mr. McCurley's house, asked for a DNA swab. He said he had no idea who Carla Walker was, but he just decided to, to say, yeah, okay, sure, take my DNA swab, no problem. And he, had, he, he in the affidavit, it says that he willingly accepted, okay, yeah, I will, I will allow you to take a DNA swab from me. With that new DNA swab from McCurley, Fort Worth police had one more piece to the puzzle to put into place. DNA has been around basically since the mid-80s, but there are continual advances in how they attempt to find that DNA and then also how they extract that DNA. So it was these newer processes that enabled us to get a full profile as opposed to a partial from before. The DNA was a match a full profile that pointed to Glenn McCurley as the killer. This is a culmination of efforts over the last 46 years and countless hours and time put in by prior detectives. And we do want to uh, point out and give thanks to Othram Labs in Houston who uh, utilized their whole genome sequencing to get us the DNA pro profile and use genetic genealogy to get us where we are. I, I think it was a mixture of emotions, actually. I think it was a little bit of shock, excitement, um, a little bit of fear, because it's, you know, wow, this, this is really happening here. Because it's one thing to work towards a goal, and it's another to achieve it. And this was a huge, huge goal. We were just, we were just ecstatic that we could finally come to a head after all this time. 
the satisfaction of being able to give the walkers the answers that they've been looking for uh, for almost 47 years is it's almost indescribable. And um, this family has been amazing for both Detective Wagner and myself to, to work with over the last two years. And after taking McCurley into custody without incident, Colonel Walker's family and Fort Worth residents began to learn more about the man who'd been hiding in plain sight for almost half a century. Uh, he's been working uh, here locally and uh, just living a very normal life and married and two children and just going about his, his life. You know, Mr. McCurley was living, according to one of the detectives on the case, a very quiet life in Tarrant County all of these years um, since Carla Walker's homicide. Now, clearly he's accused of this crime, but if he is in fact convicted of it, it's pretty eerie that there is somebody who did this living next to you. And a lot of his neighbors told us that whenever we went there to just see if, hey, is there a family member from the McCurley home that can talk to us? They start saying, this is a good family. This family, the McCurley family, is a good family. So it was outrageous to them that somebody that they, you know, obviously see every day or that they know probably trust to watch their house when they're away from home on vacation is accused of this grisly murder. And that and that was shocking to them. And I, I, I don't think that they were processing it in real time like we were. You know, we read the documents, we read the affidavit, we read the, the arrest sheet, and we're like, okay, according to this, you know, it's, <laughs> this is a cold case that, you know, if you get arrested on, I mean, nine times out of ten, they get convicted, and this guy is, is accused of this crime, and I don't think they could really just imagine that this was, this was really a situation where, where it was unfolding before them, you know, I, I don't, I don't think that they could, I don't think that they could, uh, I don't think they could believe it. But the arrest and charges against McCurley were completely real to Carla Walker's family, including Jim Walker, Carla's brother who'd never stopped searching for his sister's killer. 46 years, seven months, and five days, or 17,053 days ago, Carla was abducted. Finally, finally, we have a name, a face, and we're moving toward complete resolution. I would like to sit here and tell you, no, I never gave up hope. Um, but there were times, there were really dark times and watching uh, the pain my mom went through. You know, I can tell you, I, this whole case being resolved is a thank you God moment. I know people don't like to hear that quite often, but it is. This is a resolution that's been prayed for by many people, a wonderful church, Monday through Friday, 6.15 in the morning to 7.45, I mean 7 o'clock every day, Monday through Friday, for years now. And then, standing before a room full of cameras and reporters, Jim Walker was asked what he'd say to the suspect, Glenn McCurley, now behind bars. We're praying for you. We don't hate you. We really are praying for you. I hope that the city of Fort Worth has prayers for the family, uh, it's it's not their fault. Um, for the gentleman, you know, we want to see justice served uh, with prayers and forgiveness. Doesn't come uh, a get out of jail free card. So we're 
We're fully committed to working with whoever we need to work with to make sure justice is served for Carla, but I would ask everybody to keep this gentleman and his family in their prayers. To see forgiveness connected to such an appalling crime, it was almost hard for me to digest. He looked at me and he said, I hope one day that I'm in heaven, and I hope that I see Carla Walker in heaven one day. And even though I'm glad that Mr. McCurley's facing justice here on earth. I hope to see him walk through the gates of heaven one day too. I mean, think about that. That's wild to hear that from a family member who's waited that long for justice. If my sister was killed the way Carla Walker was killed and finally someone was arrested and there was a TV camera in front of me, you'd have to, <laughs> you'd have to put a muzzle on my mouth for the types of things I'd say about this person. But to see the absolute patience of Jim Walker and, and just the, the overall acceptance of he's, he's okay with this. I'm okay with all this happening. I'm glad it's happening, but I'm also not going to let it consume me. It was, uh, it was kind of miraculous to watch. As a reporter and an outside observer, Matt Howerton is struck not just by Jim Walker's forgiveness, but the patience required to wait over four decades for some resolution. I, I wouldn't be able to fathom. I mean, you, you want to talk about waiting for justice. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, that is not something that I think we all comprehend. That, that there's families out there that are still waiting for cases to be solved. You know, for a family to wait that long, I, I just can't comprehend like, I don't think our generation has the patience that the Walkers have. And it's like, I can't imagine waiting that long, that long for an arrest to be made. Like, that just, to me, sounds 46 years, man. That's a long time. Glenn Samuel McCurley now stands charged with capital murder for the death of 17-year-old Carla Walker. Uh, but I talked to Jim Walker afterwards in front of his church with the person that prayed five days a week for like at least a year to try and get something in this case. And they stood in front of that church and they said, yeah, we're, we're, we don't want to discredit Fort Worth PD. You know, they, they did a great job on this case and everything. But they said, when we started to pray, we started to see results. And in their minds, they think God had a hand in this massively. For True Crime Chronicles, I'm Will Johnson. I'm here with Reed Redman and Spencer Brudig. Guys, I know you have some questions about this case. Obviously, uh, a huge story, you know, in Texas and Fort Worth and people who have lived in the area for a long time. You know, you can only imagine what it's like to hear about a case that has been unsolved for what, 46 years, almost, you know, 50 years. To give you a little clarification, uh, because I know we were chatting about it a little bit, um, the attack of that night outside the bowling alley, you know, in the parking lot, the gunman uh, actually and the guy, you know, who's been arrested now and charged, he pulled the boyfriend out of the car and said, I'm going to kill you. And he had a gun. At some point along the way, it was fired. He actually went to the hospital and they discovered he had, you know, a wound to the back of his head that was from the gun, you know, hitting him. Uh, they thought maybe it was a gunshot wound at first, but it was not. So, you know, he really escaped you know, a, an awful situation. And he's lived with this, you know, his entire life and knowing what happened to Carla. And I think also, Will, with one other kind of detail about that attack was it wasn't just a single Ruger sh shell casing that they found. They actually found the magazine from the gun. Is that right? Yes. So the magazine is what, you know, the, the actually the affidavit, which I have here is uh, what was found and left behind. And then as Matt explains, Matt Howerton, the reporter explains, they did a search of people who had bought you know, this kind of 22 Ruger 
over you know a certain period of time, I guess, and he he was located, said he'd lost it, I think, on a fishing trip. So you know he had a story uh, about you know what happened to that gun. I, I I don't think the weapon itself was ever found. And you mentioned just how long the surviving victim's been living with this. Then, and, and we heard Matt Howerton reflect on this a little bit, but I'm just so struck by the story of Jim Walker, Carla's brother, and this has been a part of his life since he was 12 years old. Um, but at, at least now, I guess there's there's some sense of closure, it sounds like, for the family. Oh, man, I know. And his his story of when he says, when he counts the days, right, 17,053 days, it is an incredible reminder of how uh, brutally real these cases are. These And they're not just cases for people, they're, they're people's loved ones. And I mean, he has reflected and lived with her death, like you said, since he was 12 years old, and he has been counting the minutes until this case is finally solved. Uh, I know it just is, it's uh, so tragic and so sad to hear someone um, have to go through that. Yeah, I was, tr- I was trying to balance that, like him counting the days. I'm glad you brought that up, Spencer, with his forgiveness, right? And so clearly, you know, finding justice and finding the killer matters a lot. I mean, I guess we can all understand how that that works out not the forgiveness part necessarily but but the fact that he was counting days and then at the same time you know once he found out who it was he offered you know his very sort of even-handed calm forgiveness to this guy is really interesting mm-hmm. and his story is a reminder too that with every single one of these unsolved cases that you hear about on the news or that we cover on this podcast there are families like the Walker family that are that are going through that and I also want to bring up the the kind of juxtaposition of uh, of technology, right? I mean, I think there's just such a lack of technology back in the 70s that really could have helped solve this case today. Have to remember, no uh, security cameras in that bowling alley. There probably would be one today. There's no cell phone GPS evidence. There could possibly be, you could ping, you know, where people are located. And yet the thing that solves this case is... Again, we love to talk about this because it's it's really changed the way um, that cases are being solved is this uh, genealogical ancestry-based DNA evidence. And once again, good evidence collection and storage allowed future generations of investigators to run that and they got a hit. And now there's someone behind bars that is on trial for this murder. Yeah, I can't remember whether it was Matt Howerton in this story or another story we've been working on who says, like, you know, you can hardly even get away with murder anymore. Decidedly not true. But you do compare, like, today and all of the cameras everywhere and the tools and the resources and everything police can do to to track someone down. And still, you know, they, imagine the number of cases that go unsolved today. So, yeah, back then— It was definitely a different world and a different job. All right, uh, Spencer and Reed, if people want to talk about the story, learn more, ask us questions, of course, they can go to our Facebook group. And Spencer, you can tell our listeners how to do that. And actually, I'll add that, uh, you know, last week, Spencer, you had the story of Erica Hagen, the the murderer of the young Georgetown University graduate who went to Chile and— that that case, which has not really gotten the media attention, certainly that her family wants. And we actually heard from her sister on that Facebook group. Yeah, and in that messaging to us, she had just mentioned that, you know, her, she and her family had reached out to almost every major news organization to get the story out, and they just did not respond in the way that they had hoped. And, and for the record, that Facebook group is inside the crime vault. Uh, it's a, a place where, you know, if you like true crime, 
if you're interested in diving deeper into some of these cases that we talk about, it's a it's a great place to uh, connect with other true crime fans. All right. And uh, Reed, you want to mention uh, one more note. Our other podcast uh, recently launched anything you say. We're actually covering a case that we covered here on True Crime Chronicles uh, weeks back, I believe. But that's uh, the next upcoming episode on anything you say, right? Yeah. Yeah. It covers the case of Helene Przinsky, who was murdered in 1980. Um, and as we covered on True Crime Chronicles, uh, they tracked down her killer just this past year, um, about 40 years after that. And, and the episode of Anything You Say looks uh, takes a really close look at the interrogation of that suspect. All right, Reed and Spencer, thanks very much. We will be back next week with a new case and a new story. For True Crime Chronicles, I'm Will Johnson. 